Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Keith Collins as he teaches from the Word of God. He's changing lives. And you know, that's what it's all about. I was recently on the continent of Africa in the nation of Sierra Leone. And we had traveled far out from Freetown, which is the capital city. And actually, one of the villages we were in is where Ebola originated. But we were out in the bush for several days and began to see God just do incredible things. We, we ended up in a city by the name of Bo City, which is the second largest city in Sierra Leone. And, and I was speaking in the night services. We were doing leaders and pastors meetings during the day in a church. And then at night, we were on a soccer field. And um, second night, first night was challenging. We really felt a lot of opposition, and we saw God touch lives, but we knew that we were in for a, uh, a battle, so to speak. And this is a very, um, very strongly influenced this part of the world by Islam. So, so the Muslim faith is, is clearly the predominant faith there. So the second night, we we felt in prayer the night before a breakthrough, and the second night, over 8,000 people showed up on the field. And um, I have, I was raised in this county, so I know what mosquitoes and bugs and all that kind of stuff are. But you ain't never seen bugs like I saw this night. It was so bad that I buttoned my shirt all the way up, and literally, I told the guy we had back, I said, just spray my hands until I have a puddle in my hands. And I took DEET and just ran it all in my hair and around. I mean, ever because I've never seen anything like this. And if you want to go on my website or on my Facebook, you can actually see some of the footage of me preaching in this setting. And, I mean, these bugs, and some of them are literally like this long, and they are biting. I mean, it is like, and, and the leaders in Africa said, we've never seen this. So um, I guess demons can appear as bugs sometimes. <laughs> Let me get to my point that connects with what God's doing here this morning. I... I stood to preach that night and I, I began to speak of the clash of two kingdoms because clearly there were two kingdoms present that night, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And, and I began to preach the simplicity of the cross and really felt an evangelistic anointing upon my heart. But literally, as I was preaching that night in Bow City, Sierra Leone, I could literally, like in my spirit here, like chains, like rattling and snapping. I mean, it was like something I'd never... I've had many experiences over the years and... I preached in 26 nations now, but, but this was unlike anything I'd ever really experienced before. And I could literally hear these chains as they were snapping as I was preaching. And I began to watch the people in front of the platform, and no exaggeration, um, literally a few hundred people began to, to manifest demonic spirits and throwing themselves on the ground and I mean, foaming at the mouth, just demons that had taken over. But we literally began to watch these people set free. 
By this, and listen, I'm preaching like I'm preaching to third graders. Very simple gospel, blood of Jesus, um, redemption, salvation. I mean, as basic as I can preach. You can go on the website and listen. As basic as I can preach it. And through the simplicity of the gospel, life after life was being impacted. That night we had over a thousand Muslims give their heart to Jesus. Now, the battle didn't end there. After the service, they took us to the hotel. When we left, some Muslims came in and destroyed our sound equipment and how could set our speakers on fire. But hallelujah, we came back the next night with some makeshift something and God moved again. But what I want you to understand is this. Those of us that can relate to redemption and salvation, there, there's a reason why whenever we begin to sing songs like Tammy and Sam and, and Priscilla. And, and there, there, there's a reason why we literally come alive in our spirit, man. Why? Because this is what we're made for. God has created us. He's designed us through redemption to partake of Him over and over and over and over again. I showed the kids, or the students, they're not kids, some of them are. I guess Hannah's kind of a kid. She's 17, but... She's our youngest student. We don't let many 17-year-olds in, but she was an awesome woman of God, so she had finished high school and we let her in. But, but I showed the, the students yesterday where my life was radically changed on January the 24th of 1985. It was a cold night for North Florida. <laughs> I sound like an old storyteller. <laughs> I remember it was cold. I mean, it was, you know, Florida can be pretty warm, but it was like really cold that night, like in the 20s. But I remember that night, I was on my way to Alligator Point, and from Crawfordville to Otter Creek Community Church, a friend of mine and I had smoked a joint, and we were drinking something we used to call, I don't know if they still have this, Mad Dog 2020, MD 2020. Is that funny? <laughs> so, you ain't still drinking that, are you? <laughs> it was some nasty stuff. We paid a guy, the Swanee Swifty, to go in and buy it for us, because we were too young to buy it. That's the way we rolled back in those days. <laughs> So from Crawfordville to Otter Creek, I mean, we, we got a pretty good little buzz going. And, and this guy had, had dared me to come to his church. So I went to this, this church. Actually, some of you might know Joey Jacobs. He was the, the coach at River Springs, the football middle school program for years. But Joey had dared me to come to this little church, and he had a revival meeting going, they said. Or they had a revival meeting going. So the reason I stopped there on the way to Alligator Point was just to get this guy off my back, to be honest with you and to prove to him that I could take his little church service. So I went in that little country church, and many of you know where that's at. And as I sat in the back pew that night, maybe 60, 70, 80 people in there at the most, um, I sat there and I'd never seen anything like that. They were clapping their hands and all. I'd never seen really much like that at all, except maybe a Jimmy Swaggart program on TV before. That's all I'd ever seen that was even close to that. But, but as I sat there that night in that little church, the first supernatural encounter with God took place in my life. And literally, within a moment, I was as sober as a judge. I mean, supernaturally. That's the first encounter I had with the glory of God. And, and, and I remember in my mind thinking, am I still high and drunk? or am I? But literally, I became completely sober. So it scared me, to be honest with you. And I, I sat in that thing and my friend said, man, let's get out of here. This is crazy. Let's get away from this place. 
But something in me said, no, I'm going to stay here and I'll get a ride to Alligator Point later. I still don't know exactly why, except God had set me up that night. That night as I sat in that little church and this, this preacher from Tennessee be, began to speak, I remember thinking in my mind, I cannot believe that Joey Jacobs has told this guy everything about me. I mean, literally, I was like kind of weirded out. Like, how does he know all this stuff? Because was, it was almost as if this guy and, and myself, we were the only two in this little church. But the next thing that happened, I still have no recollection of, and nobody else does either that I know of. I've asked people that were there that night. Somehow, I don't remember an altar call. I didn't even know what an altar call was then. I don't remember an altar call hardly. I, don't, I mean, I'd been in some settings where an invitation was given, but I'd never experienced anything like this, so I don't really remember. Like, a, you know, some of us were in Browns with the Steve Hill thing. I don't remember any of that kind of stuff happening. But the next thing I remember, I'm literally at the front of this little church at Otter Creek, and I am literally laying on my back, weeping uncontrollably. Now, I don't know if Jesus picked me up and carried me there, if I was translated there, if an I have no clue. I don't remember walking up there. But for the next long time, I don't know, several, several minutes, it was as if a funnel from heaven went into my heart. And I remember just all the... the it felt like junk was being washed out of me. And I was having an encounter with Jesus. That After that, Michael Hall led me in a sinner's prayer. And that was January the 24th, of 1985. So I'm a lot, a lot older than I look. I'm not just kidding. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Through, from then until now, there have been challenges and difficulties. In my early marriage, we went through some challenges. And one of the reasons I'm here today is because Henry and Beth Jones walked us through some things and helped us when we were very immature in the Lord with a burning passion to do something for God, but immature. And God sent them in our lives and rescued our ministry and our marriage. And by the grace of God, we stand here today, preached in 26 nations around the world. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of young people raise up and go to the nations. We've, had, we've got missionaries in Iraq. We've got missionaries 30 miles from ISIS right now laying their lives down for the gospel. We're seeing revival in places around the world that CNN and Fox News will not tell you about. But I'm telling you something. It's all because of the song of the redeemed. Listen, the reason that we're here, the reason that you're here to hear this message this morning, is not because it's a good time to go to church on a Sunday morning. You're here because Jesus wants to reveal his purposes in your life this morning. That we leave this place not just knowing that we're saved, but we leave this place desirous as never before to take this gospel to a dying and to a broken world and to make Jesus known. And listen, despite what modernists think, despite what the progressives think, Despite what the postmodernists and the secularists and the humanists and all these folks think, the gospel still works in 2016. It works in America. It works in Africa. I was just in Holland a few weeks ago. We planted a school there, a fire school of ministry. We have one in Holland, we have one in the Philippines, and we have one in Africa. But I was just in Holland a few weeks ago, teaching on revival for about 16 hours, four days over there. 
And there's such a hunger in Western Europe right now for revival and for God to reveal His glory in that part of the world. I mean, there are pockets of intercessors and prayer warriors, evangelists that are raising up, pastors that are burning to see God move in that part of the world once again. God is doing incredible things around the world. And listen, He wants you and I to be a part of that this morning. So that's why we're here. We are, as Brother Henry said, we're, we're Fire School of Ministry. And um, we, we're, a, we're a passionate group of people, if you can't tell. <laughs> why? Because the same reason you're passionate, honey, we've been redeemed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I love Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, well no, duh. <laughs> now, many people are ashamed of the gospel, but I, I, I ask the question, I'm trying to step on toes, but... Maybe they've not really been redeemed. And I understand sometimes there's trepidation and fear, but I also understand through intimacy with Jesus, He sets us ablaze to make Him known in the nations. Now this morning, I, I want to take just a little bit of time here. I won't go very long. I know God's already doing things and speaking to hearts, but, but I really felt like the Lord told me to stand in the office of an evangelist this morning. Oftentimes, I, I'll stand more in a pastoral role or even more of a prophetic proclamation, not prophesying so to speak, but prophetic proclamation. But, but this morning I really felt the Lord told me to, to really to stand in the office of, of an evangelist. And the reason for that is I believe that there are some people that the Lord has brought here this morning to set you free. To, to awaken you to the love and the glory of Jesus and what God wants to do in and through your life. So, I want to turn to the book of James. I know you guys have been in James, I think some, I heard. But um, I want to read from the book of James this morning, and then go to Proverbs chapter 7. The book of James, chapter 1. James is speaking about profiting from trials and then he begins to bring the perspective of the rich and the poor. And then he, he, he comes down to this place of what it means to love God in trying situations and also what it means to, to, to live a life victorious over sin. And here's the reason that's important. Blessed is the man, verse 12, who endures temptation... For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised for those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And look at verse 15. And then, when desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now turn to Proverbs chapter 7 quickly. And I want to get into some, some thoughts here this morning that I believe are important for us to hear. This, is an, this has always been a fascinating story to me. You know, the Bible is so alive and it's so powerful. And I've, I've over the years, through study and teaching... You know, those of us that, that preach and teach regularly, we, we learn to, 
to read the Bible and to study the Bible in traditional ways through things that we call, they didn't really matter, but textual criticism and all these things and looking at the historical dynamics of the Bible. But, but, but one thing I'm realizing more than ever before, 31 years now of being in the kingdom of God almost, one thing I'm learning is this. This book is a relational book this morning. In other words, when I read this by way of understanding that, that this is like God's letter to me to bring me into a greater understanding of who He is. I still do the criticism and all the, the textual, all that kind of stuff, and, and study history and, and languages and what, done all that stuff. But listen, at the end of the day, that means nothing if I don't know Jesus and the author of this book. So, so when I read a story like this, I'm like, man, this is really trying to get me to see something. So I want you to listen to this, and many of you have heard this story, but some of you really need to hear it again this morning. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through the lattice and saw my, among the simple, I perceived among the youth a young man void of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there was a woman that met him with the attire or the dress of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows, so I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. And with her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now therefore listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded. All who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Now that's heavy duty this morning. Right? Has everybody read that story before? Anybody not read that? Some of you have not read it. That's pretty intense. That's a very vivid picture of what I will call the, the cycle of sin. That's a very distinct image of, of what happens in the lives of those that allow sin to consume them and to destroy them. I know this morning for a fact that even in my own experience, there are people that I went to school with at Wakala High School that are no longer alive this morning. 
Some of those are natural causes, but I know for a fact that, that, that some of those were a result, some of those deaths were a result of the cycle of sin. And why are you speaking about sin this morning? Matter of fact, sin is not something that I, I, I speak about all the time. I do sometimes in evangelistic settings, but you can ask the students. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the love of God, the glory of Jesus. I preach all that stuff too. I'm, I'm writing a book on that right now. So I'm, I'm all about that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I realize that we are in a culture that is being overtaken by the power of sin. And oftentimes, the church, in America especially, in its weakness, refuses to preach the truth of sin and the gospel anymore. I know that's not the case here, thank God. But the fact is that we have a generation that is ignorant to the things of God. They are not aware of the hour that we live in. And, and this subject of sin, do you realize that sin is mentioned 347 times in the Old Testament? In the New Testament, it's mentioned 127 times. So it is not just a, a subject that, that comes up every once in a while in the Word of God. No, it is a very real subject. And the reason is this, because sin is the thing that separates us from God. Now I believe this morning there are two categories of people that the Lord wanted me to minister to. There are some of you that you are away from Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean... Maybe there was a time in your life when, when you were in love with Him, but, but you've allowed things to come back into your life that have now dulled your heart towards the Lord. And I believe the Lord wants to bring personal revival to your heart this morning. He wants to awaken you to His beauty, His goodness, His love, His power, His destiny and purpose in your life. You see, oftentimes, I don't choose to focus on all the negative because we can preach the negative all day long, but I choose to focus on who Jesus really is. And when you see Him as, you, as He really is, your heart is overwhelmed with Him. I, I can be honest right here and tell you this. In all the years now that I have been serving the Lord, preaching the Gospel, teaching in Bible colleges, traveling around the world... Jesus is more precious and beautiful to me today than He was when I first got saved. Now, I understand people say, man, if I could just feel what I used to feel. And I understand those feelings are incredible. But listen, I think more than feeling who I know that He is and what I know that He is is the thing that motivates me to live the life that I'm living. It's not that I wake up every day and make myself live for Jesus. It's like, you're so awesome, God. You're so beautiful. You're so powerful. What else could I do? You see, I don't believe that even people that have laid their lives down for the Gospel throughout the generations, I don't believe that their lives were just about sacrifice and suffering and persecution. I believe because they were so in love with Jesus that their intimacy with God superseded all of those things. And there was a grace that they experienced because of that. Some of you used to burn for Jesus. Some of you used to know Him. Some of you used to worship Him. Some of you remember the mornings when you would get up and spend time. I mean, coffee and Jesus was awesome. Some of you, that's just a distant memory. 
Oh, you might still be going through the motions and even coming to, to, to services, which, are, which is important, but, but you don't have that, that passion. You have backslidden, I'll say it, in your heart. The world's dying and going to hell, and maybe that doesn't even really bother you that much anymore. You have settled for lesser lovers. You've settled for less. I believe the Lord wants to encounter you in a supernatural way this morning and awaken that passion within you. The greatest battle of the age is for our desires and our passions. And if the enemy can take that from us and thwart us from who Jesus really is, then he has us. There's that group of people. There's another group of people this morning. And friend, you don't know Jesus. You know, about him, maybe you're, you might even attend church, but you don't really, really know him. Can I tell you that I believe I stand here this morning, 31 years after being saved, divinely appointed by God to stand here this very morning to tell you that Jesus wants to set you free this morning. You're not here just to listen to some young people sing about being set free and once being a child of fear. No, you are here because Jesus wants to set you free and use your life to change eternity. But there's a cycle of sin. There is things that are initiated in our lives. You see, I don't believe anyone wakes up at the age of 14... And says, you know what, I'm going to start drinking alcohol secretly because my goal in life is to become an alcoholic by the time I'm 30 years old. That's my goal. I don't think anybody wakes up and initially, maybe like I did, starts smoking a little dope. And then I was introduced to what they call black beauties. And, and then, you know, um, acid, or we call it LSD. Came. I mean, in other words, just one thing after another. And we would just try things to see, but eventually it became to where I wanted more and more and more and more of this, and it became a weekly and even a every other day thing in my life. But I, I didn't wake up with a desire to become a drug addict one day, and by the grace of God, I was radically saved and delivered. And you know, I've got family members. I've got a brother that's been in prison for many years and will be there for the rest of his life, except for the grace of God because of drug addiction. Many of you know my biological father fell dead at the age of 51 years old because of abusing his body with drugs for so many years and many other things. But listen, people don't wake up with a goal to die at age 51 when they start playing with sin. But I'm telling you, sin plays for keeps this morning. And it is not some cute little thing that, that, that you think that you're going to try and you're going to master and have control over it. Listen, God is no respecter of persons, but I'm telling you something else, neither is Satan. It doesn't matter what your family name is. It doesn't matter who you're connected with. It doesn't matter who you are. The enemy's out to destroy life after life after life. We see the picture of this young man. How did this start? How does he get from the place of temptation and lust to literally being destroyed with a dart in his liver and now the Bible says taken down to hell? How does that happen? Well, first of all, he, he finds himself in a place 
a situation, a circumstance that he should never be in. You see, some of you are allowing yourselves to be pulled into environments. And again, this is for those that don't know Jesus, but even some of you that have been born again, you are allowing yourselves to be pulled into situations that you know are not of God. I don't always do this, but I I feel a word of knowledge right now, and I just want to release this. Someone in this room, you are secretly communicating with someone else's spouse. And I very seldom do this. You can ask this team, but I felt very prompted of the Lord to say this. You are communicating with someone else's spouse that is not yours, and you're doing this secretly, You're not too far in right now, but I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, break that thing off and get accountable with somebody because it will destroy your family, your finances, your children, and everything else. That is what sin will do. You see, you can't just experience it and think that that you are going to master it and control it. I'm telling you, you're not strong enough. The reason the blood of Jesus is available and the power of the cross is available. It breaks the chains that we cannot break in and of ourselves. That first stage is being in an environment you have no business being in. Listen, if you're a child of God, be a child of God and break that thing off. Stop it in Jesus' name. If you're here tonight or this morning and and you're in a situation that you don't have freedom over, you're here because Jesus, if you're not a child of God, Jesus, it can set you free this morning. He can do for you what He did for me. Listen, man, in one day, and I know this isn't everybody's testimony, and I've pastored, I've been pastoring where I'm pastoring now for four years, and over four years, but in, in one day, God delivered me from strongholds. The biggest one was Copenhagen. Copenhagen, alcohol, perversion, I mean a lot of sexual perversion, and many, many other things. My biological father gave me a Playboy magazine when I was eight years old. And I started smoking dope with my dad when I was eight years old, my biological father, and introduced me to alcohol. From the age of eight to the age of 15, I went places that no adult should ever go. I'm telling you, sin is real. It's very real. Some of you are in bondage this morning. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you so radically that He sent a wild, passionate preacher to let you know that there's freedom and victory and joy. You don't have to live that way. Sin can feel so good, right? The Bible even declares that there is pleasure. Hebrews, I think it's 11.25, there's a certain amount of pleasure in sin for a season. But eventually it, it takes you. I was in Bogota, Colombia several years ago and in this one area called Santa Fe, which is ironically means holy faith, this part of Bogota. And I remember there was many, many transvestites in this one area and we were doing ministry among the transvestites. A, a, a dear brother had planted a church there and He was ministering to them, and as they would get saved, it was hard for them to acclimate back into regular type churches. So his heart was to to have a place for these former transvestites to disciple them. But I, I remember as I looked at their lives, and I looked at these young men who looked just like women. Many of them were in their early 20s, and I remember looking at their 
teeth, they were rotten out and their fingernails were rotting off and just the, 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 the darkness and the, the yellowing of, of the whites of their eyes and I saw the, the way that meth was destroying their lives. I said, God, this is a picture of sin. Oh, five years ago when it started, it wasn't like that. It was just something to... To, to get off on or something to, to have an experience that, that was good for the flesh. But now the very body is beginning to break down and the spirit of that person was dying. That was a picture of sin. You see, this young man is pulled into this place and Proverbs 7 speaks of even the way the bed of this woman smells. I mean, cinnamon and alloys. Just the pulling in. Sometimes sin is like a tractor beam. It just takes you where you never thought you would go. It brings you into situations that you never dreamed you would ever get involved in. The next thing that sins does, it, it, it brings you to a place of being powerless over the force. and the, It's almost like a spell is cast over you. The addiction is so strong. And it's so intense. It's so real. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and some of you have been in this very place. I remember a few nights as a teenager thinking, man, I've I got to stop doing this. I remember one night I was down at Shell Point with a guy. I won't give you his name because some of you might know him. <laughs> but I remember we had literally got a hold of something that we were smoking that they had laced with something, I think it was PCP, but, but anyhow, that's beside the point, but but I remember being so high and I was driving and my parents had a condo at Shell Point at the time and they weren't home. They were over in Graceville visiting friends. But I remember being so high as I was going down the highway and it looked like when a car was coming there were several headlights and I didn't know which way to go and it was just by the grace of God that I made it home. But the next morning I had destroyed a bunch of shrubs because I had ran over a bunch of shrubs. That's how wasted I was. But, but I remember even in that moment, even though I was high, I was thinking, God, I've got to quit doing this. I'm going to kill myself. But sure enough, I, I did it again. See, sin makes us stupid. But hear me. And that might be kind of funny, but... The reality is it gets claws deep, 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 deep inside of us. And before you know it, we are doing things that we never thought we would ever do. I know my youngest brother who's in prison right now, he's been in there for many years, he wouldn't mind me telling you this. His addiction to crack was so bad, crack cocaine, that he began to steal from his own mother and his own grandmother. A normal person would never do that. Sin take you farther than you ever thought you'd ever go. It casts a spell over our lives. You say, well, man, I, this, you know, you're, you're preaching something wild. That's not where I'm at. Listen, friend, any sin that separates you from Jesus, any sin that keeps you from being a part of the body of Christ is a sin that needs to be brought to the cross. And I'm going to tell you something. Again, you might be in a place today, but sin will take you farther. Temptation leads to lust. Lust leads to sin, James says. But then sin ultimately leads to death. Spiritual death, but even physical death. I stood in a cemetery in Sparta, New Jersey when I was 26 years old. 
My first cousins were raised there. My dad's sister, biological dad's sister, raised my first cousins there. And I stood in a cemetery one night, and I remember one afternoon, my cousin Ginger said, she pointed out seven graves, seven tombstones. She said, all of these kids were kids I went to school with. And in the ninth grade, they entered a suicide pact, and one committed suicide. Two weeks later, another committed suicide. Seven children destroyed by suicide. A picture of the force of sin. You say, why are you being so adamant? Because, friend, this is what we're dealing with in this generation. And the only thing that brings change is the, the love of God, the fire of God, the power of the Gospel, and the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that will set the captive free. The woman said, my husband's not here. He's gone on a journey. Come on in, son. And let's have our fill of love. Sin will make you think that you'll never really have to answer. There's no repercussions or there's no reaping that takes place. I'm telling you, my friend, you might get by with things for a long time. And you might even leave this present world without having to deal with certain things. But sin will have its way if you're not born again of the Spirit of God. Eternally separated from Jesus Christ. I've had different people ask me, why do you go to like the Muslim world? Isn't that kind of crazy? It's very crazy. But I know for a fact that despite all the stuff we see on the news, and, all, and it's crazy, it, it is. Where, where our school is in Cameroon, just north of there, Boko Haram is very active, and we use wisdom when I'm there. But I also know that there are many, many people that just want to be set free from sin, and they want to hear the truth of the gospel. You see, listen, you need to know this morning that there's freedom in Jesus. You might think it's cool. No, there's nothing cool about sin. It's really stupid. It makes a mockery. This young boy, the, the Bible says in Proverbs 7, he was like an animal going to the slaughter. An animal doesn't know when it's about to give its life for my table and your table. They just go to the slaughter. And before you know it, I used to slaughter hogs with Jack Henderson and J.K. Moore as a little boy. And Mr. Henderson would stand on top of that wing and shoot that thing right in the head. Well, that hog had no idea that he was getting ready to have his, his brains blown out. And the Bible says that's what sin makes you look like. You're just there and all of a sudden, bam! Sin has its way. And sin brings forth death. And the last cycle, the last stage of this cycle is total blindness. Total seduction that leads right into an eternal darkness, a separation from God forever and forever. If that's the truth this morning. The good news is this. There's freedom. And there's salvation. And there's victory. I have seen people come to the Lord that they said would never get saved. I know some of them right now are pastoring churches. 
15 years ago, they, I mean, they had a blue ribbon in being a pagan or a heathen. Today, they're burning for Jesus. There's freedom for you this morning. I want you to bow your heads this morning with me, please. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.